says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. Sorry for the uh, bass-heavy voice this week. I'm recovering from a bout of COVID, but I am John, also known as Forty Twenty, and I'm your host. Joining me in the co-host seat, as always, is my good mate Sixties. How are you doing, mate? Hopefully, you're not feeling as bad as I've been the last couple of days. Mate, I'm doing exceptionally well, and I I think I've really dodged a bullet lately. And I'm going to touch wood as I say this because I managed to avoid COVID when Yoko had it. A couple of weeks back, and uh, I, although I was in isolation, and then of course the weekends just this gone by, and uh, we sat next to each other covering junior reps for about six or seven hours on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then we've we've done the podcast at the leagues club, yep. and uh, when you told me on Monday that you had COVID, I'm thinking, oh no, oh, stand yeah. by, <laughs> I know I'm going to go this time, but. Yeah, some way, somehow, I found a window of infection that didn't include you, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm very happy I'm not spreading it to you, mate. But either that, or I have a superior immunity. Yeah, exactly. He's he's like the uh, opposite of patient zero, right? You got the, the immunology that the scientists need to start working on. Just can't be hit by COVID. Well, mate, uh, maybe it's just that. Look, I'm, I, I got I've uh, got triple vax. I've got the. I'm taking the immune tablets, taking the vitamin C. I've, I'm, I rattle in the morning with all the vitamins and <laughs> supplements that I've made sure that I take with all this COVID around. So maybe there's something in it. Maybe there's something in this. There's, there were stories going around about uh, speculation that certain blood types might avoid it. Do you know what? I don't even know what blood type I am. Isn't that terrible to me? Uh, I, my advanced years and someone says to me, what's your blood type? And I go, oh, I don't know. I'll have to check with the doctor. I'm a plain plain Joe O positive, so I'm the most common type of our blood. So that that probably doesn't play much into my favour there. <laughs> probably not, mate. But we're we're going to press on regardless, and you you we'll we'll give it a, a big tick of approval. Maybe maybe the ladies out there might like the sound of that deep resonating voice <laughs> that you're putting on at the moment. So yeah. um, <laughs> the, old, the old Barry White we'll, impression we'll... can't get enough of your love, babe. <laughs> We'll just we'll call you Bazza now, Barry White. So you would change it from forty twenty to Bazza. How's that sound, listeners? Okay, mate, we have to do it. We'll do a retake, ladies and gentlemen. My name is John, also known as Barry White. This week, <laughs> that's the way. Uh, but we, you know, we do have a. We actually do have a podcast full of Parramatta news and and talk. So uh, we should really get into it. I imagine. Yes, sir. I'll let you kick it all off, mate. Well, it's that time of the preview john where we catch up with what's happening around with Parramatta and also around the nrl in general with our behind the mic man 2gb's very own spiro christopoulos and i believe you're out on location at the moment spiro that's correct boys great to be back talking Parramatta after a fantastic win which we'll get into in a moment but i'm coming to you live from the sydney royal easter show today i'm out here with uh 2gb but i'm also out here with my family we've got a stall uh, selling all American chocolates and uh, candy. Oh, so nice. if, you, if you pop into the Easter show at some point uh, to you guys or to any of the listeners, feel free to come down to the Home and Lifestyle Pavilion. Uh, come say g'day, chat some para, and we've got some, some wonderful uh, chocolates and candy for you to have a look at as well. Has the stall got a name, Spiro? It's called USA Treats. 
USA okay. Treats. So all the listeners out there, keep an eye out for USA Treats in uh, the, what's the name of the pavilion again? Spiro? It's the Home and Lifestyle Pavilion. Home and Lifestyle Pavilion. There's, there, and you can go up and have a, have a bit of a chat to, um, yeah. to your family. I'm sure they wouldn't mind talking a bit of footy as well. Of course, we're big <laughs> Parramatta fans. I think we'll have the Titans game on uh, the screen tomorrow night. We'll be watching that. Uh, from here, because we don't finish till late. But yeah, uh, feel free, come say good day. We'd be we'd be happy to welcome you in and uh, have a chat. Sounds great. Now you've got you've got a bit you want to talk about, not only uh, with Parramatta but also across the uh, NRL. So what's what's uh, your takes on the uh, Parramatta recent performances, mate? Brilliant game Sunday night. I know there's been a lot of talk, but personally, it's taken me a little while to come down from the high of that win. It was just fantastic all round performance. What impressed me the most was the halves and, and Dylan Brown. He just stepped up and took on the line. He was electric in that first half. And I'm really glad we're seeing that because that's when Dylan's at his best. And BA has alluded to that in the last couple of weeks that, you know, Dylan is a great runner of the ball and, and can really control things and have a huge impact on the field, not just defensively. As we all know, he's a great defensive half, one of the best in the league, as you guys spoke about on the, uh, the debrief podcast after last week's game. So, yeah, I was really stoked with Dill Baggs' performance, and I hope we continue to see that. Also, Mitch Moses, his eyes up footy is just brilliant. That uh, first try that he scored with the, the – he put the kick in, I think it was like the second tackle or something. Just the vision and the foresight that he's got as a half is really impressive, and I'm glad that the halves are stepping up and, and stamping their authority. is certainly one of the best combos in the game, I think, so far this year. I think there's been an improvement in their communication out there on the field that I just watching Dylan off the ball, he's talking a lot more than he was before. The other thing, too, in the observation that I made when Forty and I were chatting after the game is there seems to be an arrogance about how Dylan plays. I'm, that's not a bad arrogance. I mean, mm. that's a good arrogance that he has confidence in what he's doing. And and when you see him uh, throwing dummies to himself and and taking on the line, but in a different way to... Last year, last year I thought some of his carries were almost like as an extra forward, just doing the harder sort of yards into the defence line. And we know that he's a very strong player, but he seems to have picked his mark a lot differently this year. He's he's picking where he can break through just on the edge of the play, and that's making a marked difference in his strike power out on the field. Yeah, it's, it's just so, so good to see. And like you said, arrogance for a half or for a 5'8 is really important. That's what you want to see as a fan and you want to see um, from a media point of view because we love seeing that entertaining football. And it's taken time. I think they've played around 60 games together as a halves combo. And I think we underestimate that sometimes. We, we don't realize that this halves combination haven't been together all that long. But they're really starting to hit their straps. And this is what should be happening. Once you hit that 50, 60 game mark together, you want to see that confidence and that arrogance. So I'm, I'm really happy. And as you said, it's a good kind of arrogance. And, that, and that's the sort of thing that we want to see from week to week. Now, just with regard to the spine, um, what, what's your thoughts on Reed Marnie at the moment? Man, I'm wishing that he didn't uh, kind of rival deal with the dogs. i am still got this false sense of hope that he may do a backflip or his contract with the Bulldogs may not actually be registered at the moment. And maybe if they can't get their cap under control, he might not end up going to, to Canterbury. And it hasn't been officially announced. The same uh, deal with Viliami Kikau's contract. So 
for me, I'm holding on to this false sense of hope that he will be in the blue and gold in season 2023 and hopefully he stays. But how good is he, guys? He's just such a, a an important player, not just on the field in terms of his playing ability, but off the field. We saw him run into the stand and hug the fans and wear his heart on his sleeve. And post-game, he spoke about putting it all on the line for the fans because they wear the jersey as well. And I don't think you get that too much these days with footy players because they see it as a real, as good as it is and as important as the camaraderie and, and whatnot is, it's a, it's a business at the end of the day. It's, it's, you know, their job, it's their work and they love doing what they do. But that engagement with the fans isn't that common. We don't really see players run into the, the stands after they score a try and celebrate and hug other fans and really get amongst it. And I think with Reid, because he's been a junior and he's come all the way through, we're seeing that. And I, I love it. And I'm really going to miss it next year because it's, it's hard to fill that void. As much as guys like Mitch Moses and Dillbags love the club or Junior Paulo and Gutho, they haven't got that real heart that Reid has. So he's been in some fantastic form and it's going to be hard next year not having him there because your spine is really dominant and and, and uh, matters upon how your half performs. And without Reid there, it's going to be a little bit different. But like we said in the earlier podcast at the start of the season, it's all about making the most of this year, winning a title, and Reid being a big, big part of that. So really happy with the way he's playing, but also his engagement with the fans and his love for the club, even though you know he might not be there next year. Well, that was probably his best game that – well. It, certainly one of the highest performing games that he's had for the Eels in his time with the club. Uh, Another highlight last week was that final try and the flick pass from Bryce Cartwright. Have you ever seen anything like that? Never. I don't know. It's not even like Benji's flick pass. It's so unique. It's so different. Definitely try assist of the year. Uh, It's in contention for try assist of the year for mine. And Cardi was great. He came on and he made an impact off the bench, played about 15 minutes, and that's what he, he can do and his ability is, that he can come on and create magic. And we saw that last year against the Roosters at, at our home as well. He came on and made an instant impact, an instant difference. And we saw that again on Sunday. And a little bit disappointing that he isn't going to be there this weekend against the Titans and, and Mitch Rain's a great addition. But I, I just sense that something might not be right there with Bryce Cartwright. I'm not sure whether it's something with the coach, with the club, with uh, his preseason, something isn't right. He doesn't look happy. I, I saw him on the bench before he came on and he didn't look uh, too happy and he's not getting the exposure in game time that we probably think. And you would like to think that after performance like last week, they'd have him on the bench again. And I know they wanted to bring Mitch Rain in to give Reid a bit of a rest and preserve him. But Cartwright, for me, was, was just fantastic. And he slotted in nicely and... And it was seamless. So a bit disappointing that he won't be there this week, but he'll be remembered for the rest of the year. doesn't matter what happens for that wonderful flick pass try. He's still getting over that one. Well, probably there's... Um, if we have a look at the, at the rest of the bench, so mm. we had uh, this week uh, Maddo named on the bench, um, Makahesi Makatoa, yep. and Oregon Kafusi. And if we take it as a given that maybe BA is looking for a replacement dummy half mm. on the on the uh, on the bench, I suppose that will put Cartwright in competition with Matto for a uh, I suppose the utility slash back row position because you've got 
the two middles, uh, if you're looking at a bench structure, you're looking at um, a dummy half, mm. uh, a back rower, two middles. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out during the year. I, I suppose the positive for this is that he's been kept in amongst that NRL group so that when he's when he hasn't been playing, he's been there as an 18th man. And yeah. that keeps him involved in that. It keeps him involved in captain's runs. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The one thing that we know about a rugby league season is you always get your fair share of injuries and yeah. opportunities present themselves as they as they did last week uh, with uh, Stoney going down injured for the rest of the year. And then that presented the opportunity for Cartwright to be uh, put up into first grade. But then... We also know that we've got uh, Murata Nicore right. getting very close to returning from injury, and uh, that's going to put pressure on uh, on either Oregon Kafusi or Makahesi Makatoa because you know, I think there's a fair chance that he's going to be selected on the bench as soon as he's available. This is a bit of a wild one, guys. I think Murata slots in really nicely in the centres. I was impressed from what I saw last year when he played in the centres and I think that we may see a little bit of a reshuffle possibly in parts of the back line. Maybe Bailey Simonson, I don't know if he's there or not. They might shift someone else out to the wing and um, and they might, I don't know what they're going to do, but they might slot Murata into the centres if they can't find a spot for him on the bench because that's where he plays really well too. So we'll have to wait and see, but we've got heaps of players, heaps of players that, are still on that injury list, especially your backline, your your Mike Acevos and um, your Sean Russells, and and these guys potentially are going to be back in um, contention for selection in the next month or six weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But my my smoky is that Murata is going to come back into the side in the centres, but it's yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard when you've got a team that's winning and putting up good performances every week, and you've got a strong bench. And then you you got to find room for other guys coming back into the fold. So yeah, it's it's tough for Cardi, but he'll be there. I'm sure that he'll he'll get a run throughout the year at some point. And uh, we now have the vagaries of the NRL draw, where uh, huh. four weeks down the track we're playing <laughs> the Titans again. Uh. I, I've got a bone to pick with the NRL. I love Peter Valandis and Andrew Rabdo. I know Peter, and you know he's a great guy, and it's not directed at them at all. But just generally with the NRI, I mean, it's a bit odd that we played the Titans four weeks ago at home in the opening round, and we're in a situation where we're going to play them again. And it's just, I don't really like it, to be honest with you guys, because I want to see other matchups before I see repeats and, and rematches. I want to see Para play teams like the Bulldogs and Penrith and the Tigers. And I don't know we've got the Tigers next week, but I want to see these games early in the season because they're exciting matchups, and, and, and we want to see a bit of a variety. So... They might have to look at the way they do the draw because we see it every now and again that four, you know, there's a rematch four weeks into a season and there are 16 teams. So there's something that I think has to change from that point of view. As good as I think it'll be to play the Titans again and play on their home turf and you've got Mitch Rain who's going to be returning and playing against his former club and there are positives associated. I want to see other matchups before I see these rematches. I don't know. What do you guys think? What's your take on it? John, John's got some very strong opinions on this, haven't you, mate? Yeah, we've talked about this a lot in the past uh, on the tip sheet. It, it, like you mentioned, Spiro, it's a quirk that pops up in the draw quite a bit. Uh, and it's not just a Parramatta thing. There's other teams that have to deal with the same issue. And it, 
it, it really sucks out a lot of the build-up, a lot of the fun for these clashes um, because when you just play a team, like, it's like you just turn around and said, wait, we just played you guys. Like, what, what are you doing here? Mm. Um, yeah. And obviously sometimes that works out well because there might be a lot of rhyme, you know, spite from the last game where there's, you know, sure. some, some debts that need to be settled in the short term and players get fired up. But, yeah, I understand that draw construction is difficult. But, yeah, they, they pop up often enough, often enough, these little quirks, that it makes you uh, scratch your head and say, sure, there could have been a better way of uh, scheduling it. 100%. They have, like, there hasn't been too much hype around the game this Saturday, apart from one debt that I think needs to be settled. And we've spoken about this, Philip Sami and Clint Gutherson. <laughs> Apparently, they're mates. Apparently, they've shaken hands. They've spoken after the uh, the mocking of the Gutherino at Combank in round one. But um, I'm really hoping that Gutho scores a try. And drop and drops Sammy's it. Sammy's lying on the ground yeah, and yeah. he drops the Gutho in. Right, I'm waiting. I'm that, that, I, I loved it when Sammy did that. That's great rugby league feeder. And the fact that mm. it now sets up a chance for Gutho to maybe get a bit of revenge that way is awesome. Well, That's mate, right. yeah. I, saw, I saw something last week when they released footage of the celebrations in the shed. Um, this was, I think it was actually after the, uh, the Storm game. And uh, you... you when you dropped that um, your chat with Gutho into the podcast the other week and there was the question about updating the Gutherino, well, Gutho laid down the Gutho robot in the victory <laughs> celebrations. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. He had the, he had the robot going. And wow. I, and so I'm hoping that what he, what he does is he scores the try and he lays down the Gutho robot. <laughs> You know what? That'd be an b- even bigger insult, just to shove it, shove it right at Sami when he's lying beside him. So that's interesting. I, I didn't actually not pick up on that one. Good, good pick up sixties. It's it comes in just when they they uh, launch into the paras on fire, and uh, as, they, as, as, they doing, as they as they're launching into that part of the uh, victory celebrations, out comes the robot move. So I christened it the Gutha robot, and uh, I I'd like to see it as a regular feature just as a as a bit of an update although you know maybe maybe there are some commercial considerations for the Gutherino there might there might be a market out there for mm. uh, for those those NRL dolls you know that do a little bit of a move it could be doing the Gutherino <laughs> as part of the move uh, uh, mm. you could have a range of various dance moves that the the Guth, the Gutherson NRL mini figurine can do so one might be in the gutherino pose might another might be in the gutha robot um maybe there's maybe there's the gutha sprinkler it, look, mm. it's the the possibilities are endless but now that I like that now that we're hitting about the the NRL and the vagaries of its of the draw mm. let's let's look at some of the the bigger um news items that have been going around the NRL this week because it's the mm. media's certainly been filled with uh, different stories around the NRL. Yeah, it's been it's been huge. Two main stories for this week, and we'll kick off with uh, a Sydney Sydney based story with the Canterbury Bank Sound Bulldogs recalling Kyle Flanagan to start in the halves of their game this week against the Panthers on Sunday night. A lot of talk about this, especially from the crew on NRL three sixty on Fox League, and boy, what a fiery little altercation between uh, Braith and Nastar and. And Reedy and um, Buzz and Kenty, it was pretty, pretty unbelievable. But my take on it all, I actually, I want to praise uh, Braith and Nasta here. I, I agree with what Braith is saying that 
Kyle Flanagan is a quality half. And the fact that the Bulldogs have recruited him there, they're paying him good money, he is their specialist halfback. And they have to accept the fact that they've got him there, and that's what he's there for. He's not there to play reserve grade. He's there to play first grade. Now, where I think Trent Barrett has gone wrong is by not giving Kyle the chance to train with the squad in full during the preseason or during the off-season. All summer long, from what I know, from what I understand, he trained with reserve grade. He didn't train, he didn't practice with first grade guys. Now, that's wrong because he's the quality specialist halfback. You've got to give the guy a chance. So that's where I think Baz has let him down is that he hasn't given him the experience in the off-season. Then four, five, five weeks into a season, he throws him into the deep end against the, the Panthers, um, which is a little bit odd. And considering the, the de- demolition that they got against the Storm last week, you might see a bit of a repair to that this week against the Storm. Don't get me wrong. I hope that Kyle goes out there and absolutely kills it. But I just think it's a bit unfair to, to put that on a young guy who hasn't played first grade in quite a while. And he's been playing with reserve grade over the preseason for the first four weeks. He's played really well. I've spoken with his dad, Shane, who I know quite well and I'm, I'm good friends with through my work at 2GB. And Shane says he's really enjoying his time in reserve grade and it's going really well. But, you know, they've got to give him a go, but this week isn't the right week. In terms of the media commentary around these guys and, and, and Fox saying that they should have named him as, you know, the 19th man or the 18th man and then chucked him in as a starting half an hour before kickoff so there wasn't a hype in the attention, you know, that makes sense. But I just... In the first place, I think that they should have handled this a lot better with Kyle and chosen their weeks because this was bound to happen. We know that Kyle gets a lot of attention in the media because of his father and the role that his, his dad's had in the league, and, and that's fine, and he understands that. But the dogs have done the wrong thing by him here, and they really should have chosen their weeks and been more selective about it. I'm Personally, I'm stunned that there's no exposure to the NRL squad during the preseason. Now, I say I'm stunned because having watched the Eels preseason for countless years now, every player that's in the top squad, uh, and so we're talking about up to 30, well, sometimes during preseasons, it can be as many as 40 players that are there because you've got um, train and trialers, you've got the development contract players, uh, you've got the top thirty players, and and sometimes they uh, they'll they'll bring in um, extras that are they might have a um, contract as a junior pathways player that they get an NRL preseason as part of their player development. So there's no shortage of players that are there, and every player in essence is exposed to other NRL players, that they get to play alongside them, the way that they structure the games, the way that they structure the learning the plays and the way that they structure opposed sessions. And I'm just stunned. I, I, I almost can't believe that there would be a scenario where he would be so unfamiliar with the other players over a preseason that it would be talked about as it has been, and it must be the case for them to be talking about it on, on 360 that he just hasn't had the exposure to the mm. NRL squad. Um, it's because, as I said, the, the at Parramatta, the reserve grade squad trains with the NRL squad. They're, they're one big unit that's there, and the only time they separate really is during the season when they have to uh, catch up with some of the part-time footballers 
to be able to train as a team in that regard. So they might get a set, they might have a session later in the day or on a weekend uh, where the the part timers can join them. But yeah, I, I'm stunned about that. It's yes, mm. I, I think they could have had a better week where they've selected him, but I think myself that there's always going to be media media attention around it and i think it's one of those scenarios where if they are looking for him to find some form it's probably a tough initiation to find some form now but then i look right. at the other side of it and he's got over 40 first grade games under his belt so um i guess maybe it's a damned if you do damned if you don't uh now the- and just just quickly just quickly on Kyle in, in wrapping up, two things. First of all, this uncovers a greater problem within the system at the Bulldogs. Something's gone wrong there, right? I, I don't know exactly what it is, but they've got to get their young guys mixing with the first-grade guys so that transition smooth. So from a structural point of view, the dogs need to review their processes because, as you said, there's a whole mixing and overlap at Parramatta, and that's why it's so successful. That's why we see so many juniors and guys coming from reserve grade straight into first grade, and they make an impact, and they they settle and they fit in straight away from the first week. It doesn't take them long to get used to it. So, you know, moral of the story: the dogs are doing something wrong, and they got to change. Second thing is, two years ago, Kyle was playing at the Roosters. He was kicking goals. He was playing well. He was in the halves. He was in the halves for one of the best teams in the competition, right? And they they came fourth that year. So clearly, this guy can't be that bad of a player for them to to have him stuck in reserve grade. It you know, it says something about maybe the players that he's got around him. So I think that um yeah, there are a few issues with this and, and good to touch on it. But yeah, I, I think the dogs have to change what they do and really think about who they've got in Kyle Flanagan. And the um other club making headlines is of course north of the border. Mm, big issues there, guys, on several fronts. And the latest angle out of that is Pat Carrigan. So, obviously, we saw earlier in the week, Payne Haas, Albert Kelly, uh, footage released of the two, having a little bit of a push and shove at the bottom of a Sydney hotel after their round two win against the Bulldogs in Sydney. And since then, it's been all downhill for the, the Broncos on the field. But I think there's a bit of a culture, cultural issue here. And I know that there's been talk that, yeah, the Haas-Kelly thing has been a bit of a storm in the teacup which I understand and I get. And, yep, that, you know, they've got a leg to stand on because it's a bit of scuffle. But if you put me in that situation, right, if I was caught fighting a colleague of mine from 2GB and that was public and pu- posted, I'd be fired on the spot. I'd be sacked. And so would my colleague because that's how the world is these days. Just because these guys are footy players doesn't mean they should be shielded, protected, and safeguarded from all that stuff that the common uh, Joe Blow on the street would be exposed to. So I think that, you know, this talk that it's storming the tech cup, I understand, but it's not on because if that was me or you in the street fighting a colleague of ours, we'd be out the door. We'd be frog marsh. So it's not on. And there's a cultural issue at the Broncos. They've had something like 14 or 15 cultural issues or off-field issues in the last 12, in the last 18 months or two years. That all, that all started with the night before Parramatta played the Broncos in that semi-final at Bank West. The players were caught on the pokies, out on the town. So there's a cultural issue here. Pat Carrigan, after their loss to the Warriors last week, was caught sinking schooners in Brisbane, in the city, after he was injured and did his MCL. So it's not on for me. There's an issue at the Broncos, and it doesn't matter who they recruit, Adam Reynolds or Kurt Capel or whatever, 
they've got to fix their things back at house and they've really got to fix things up because it's going to get ugly. We saw Jordan Ricky and Tom Flegel having a bit of friendly fire at the end of last year. So mm-hmm. there's a common denominator, common issue here at the Broncos. They need to fix it. They need to fix it quick, smart, or it's going to start affecting their performance on the field as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And I think Gordon Tallis did say it well the other week when he was talking about the legacy of what you in of the jersey you inherit from those that go before and and carrying that legacy and then the legacy that you pass on to future players and you want to talk about how you respected the jersey and how you carried yourself when you were wearing that jersey and uh, players talking about this isn't going to happen on our watch we're not going to we're not going to let the club down on our watch and I don't know whether they as a club have the culture there at the moment to be able to talk about having pride in what they achieved during their time with the club. And I look at a player like Xavier Coates, who they let go to the storm, and he is going to be a superstar player. Oh, big and, time. And I just can't believe that they allowed someone like him to leave and they have a player and don't get me wrong. I, I think, I think that um, Payne Haas is an extraordinary talent, but as an extraordinary talent, I, I'm wondering whether he's being looked after the way that he should be. And I know he's an adult and, but he's still a relatively young player and could That's do right. with some guidance and, I suppose I'm a little bit surprised because I I thought with Ben Iken going there that culture might have been one of the things that he addressed first off. And, I mean, we're looking at this from, from the outside looking in, but you can only mm. judge on incidents that happen. Uh, all, all I'll say is I think while ever they're having issues like this, I don't see their position on the table changing too much. No, not at all. It, it all starts it all starts in the back office and in the you know off the field that's where you, the relationships are built and I think we've seen it um, with a couple of clubs this year like teams like Cronulla Parramatta Melbourne the teams that are up there Penrith the culture amongst the team is brilliant they love each other they hug each other they celebrate tries they enjoy it they're out there and they're having a great time on the field and even with the Broncos when they're doing well I don't know if we really saw that so it's, you can tell, you can tell based off what you can see on the field if they're, you know, close or love each other off the field. They love each other at the Sharks. You can see it. They love each other at Parramatta. You can see it. Same at Penrith and Melbourne. No surprises. They're the teams doing well. So that's a big part of doing well and succeeding is making sure that you get on with your teammates, you're close, you're tight. And I think, you know, turning to a para perspective, we're seeing that this year. And I think we've seen it in the last few years, but this is really the year. But I think players think this is our last chance. Let's not mess it up. Let's really get around each other, enjoy it, lap it up, and hopefully win a premiership. Well, mate, as always, it's great to be talking about so many topics around Parramatta and around the NRL, and it's going to give out plenty of food for thought for our listeners. So we'll uh, we'll be cheering on the Eels this week. Enjoy your day at the show, and we'll talk with you again next week. Great to chat, guys. Uh, enjoyable, somewhat enjoyable game coming up Saturday night against the Titans. Let's hope we get the win on the board and keep climbing up that ladder. Thanks, legend. Have a good one, guys. See you, mate. All righty, mate. Now that Spiro's done, it's time 
for the news. News team, assemble! Yeah, it's a bit of a quiet week for news in Parramatta Colours, mate. Uh, there's some stuff going around the NRL in terms of a crackdown, and we mentioned spiral of a drama for dogs and the Broncos, but for Parramatta, got a little bit of news out of the captain's run today with Brad Arthur facing the media for his captain's run presser, and the biggest thing to come out of that was him noting that there are still two spots available in the top 30, and the Eels are obviously hunting for some outside backs, but there's nothing to report of just yet. Not, not nothing major there, but it is interesting to see there's still two spots left and it seems to be the focus both on outside backs. Well, that's understandable given the significant injuries and long-term injuries to a couple of players. I guess it's also indicative that the Eels are content with certain players only becoming eligible for selection partway through the season. So... You've got that. Uh, is it June thirty? Is it still? Is that still the date, or is it round yeah, twelve? Whatever, it, it's whatever a, it is. There, there's like it's that one of those two dates. I think where uh, all of a sudden all your development players and your second tier players can be used without restriction. So, yeah, and I would imagine that he's they've got Offer Hickey Ogden, who isn't on a top thirty contract, and he will become eligible for use. Uh, midway through the season, he'd be the one where if you thought they're going to upgrade someone, that it might be that they upgrade him. But if there's no rush on it and that they have spots where they can uh, sign players, then, yeah, it's it's probably good to know that the Eels are travelling as well as they are, that they've got the significant injury toll that they've had where they've had uh, 20... Uh, of the 28 NRL players that they had, what was it, seven? Uh, it was seven or eight at one point in injury ward. It was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're literally listing uh, a squad of uh, the the 21 players for the NRL, and it's that's basically everyone available when mm-hmm. they've been doing that. So, uh, yeah, I, look, I, I don't – I actually – welcome the fact that there's still a couple of spots available and I think it's great testimony to the depth that the Eels have accumulated with development players and those second tier contracts that you've got not just the NRL team performing well but you've also got the New South Wales Cup team performing well so interesting bit of news there. And yeah, that brings an end to the news. So let's jump right into the previews. It's another jam-packed round. Oh, of- hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop you for a moment there, Forty, because there's, uh, I, I heard a, a bit of a conversation today coming uh, back from the captain's run. I went and had a bit of a look at the captain's run and I was listening to SEN coming back. And this is a little bit, it's not really news. It's more like you know, the wacky world of the NRL, if you like. And uh, Matty Johns was talking about the Dolphins and about mascots and how there's different mascots that have been there. Like, I think it was Sir Rusty was, is the Knights mascot. Um, there was the the uh, mascot for the Broncos that would ride around on the on the horseback when there was tries that are scored. And he was pondering the Redcliffe Dolphins and about what could be 
the mascot there, and he was thinking outside of the the box. He wasn't thinking dolphins there. He started talking about how the Bee Gees were originally from Redcliffe when they were based in Australia, and that they could perhaps have someone runs out onto the middle of the field as a Barry Gibb impersonator. Uh, and every time the Dolphins score, out he comes in the middle of the field and starts dancing to staying alive. Well, I was about to say that that might be the soundtrack to their first season, the way they're going through recruitment. Staying alive <laughs> will be just as well, the best thing they can do. Well, you know, it, I, I think it then becomes a, a com- competition for nicknames because – We've just christened you Baza at the start of this podcast. And if Baza Gibb is the mascot for the Redcliffe Dolphins, and, I, and I'm, I'm giving it my tick of approval there, then uh, we, we might have a bit of a conflict there. Who is the original Baza of rugby league? I, I'm still saying that it's you, <laughs> given, the, given the evidence on the show in this podcast, mate. So uh, anyway... That's right. a, a, a bit of the wacky out there at the moment, and uh, we'll get on with the previews. All right, so let's talk previews, because like I was saying, there's a lot of football to be played this week, some important football, given that it's the final week of the junior rep, so let's start there. Eels taking on the the uh, Canberra Raiders, sorry, with a trio of home games out at New... It was out at New Era Stadium, originally 60s, but I believe he's been rescheduled to Kellyville. That's right, so it's probably going to be updated... If it isn't already, and let's just have a, I'll just have a bit of a quick look at the New South Wales Rugby League website just to see if they've updated the draw and the times because I think there was also going to be a minor change to the times yeah, for people who like been, to get out there. Yeah, and, so it is 11.30 a.m. kickoff for the Tasha Gale at Kellyville, followed by the... It's the wrong round. Followed by... A one o'clock kickoff in the Harold Matthews, and rounding it out is the SG Ball, and they kick off at two thirty PM at Kellyville. So a nice full day again out at Kellyville, a little bit later than normal. And if there's strange, there's something strange about the sky today, mate. There's there's a like a blue tinge, yeah, to it. Yeah, it's actually happening out my way too in the inner west now. Before when you, you were speaking to me about this, is what's that giant golden thing? In the air. <laughs> it's casting a light. Yeah. And it's not a light that I've been used to in in recent times. Well, now let's let's actually retract that a little bit because you and I, in covering the junior reps last weekend, actually got sunburnt. I my my face is a is a mess from peeling <laughs> from just the, the little bit of sunlight and the and the UV rays that were getting through the clouds last week, and I'm normally quite diligent about applying the sunscreen and wearing a hat, and I went up there only worried about rain and trying to work <laughs> out. Umbrellas where, ready and everything, yeah. Yeah, had the, had the umbrella ready, had the uh, negotiated to make sure that we were right to be, to shift under cover for the uh, for the coverage the the. Uh, the blog coverage of the of the junior rep game, so we got permission to to get in under the uh, under the little limited amount of shelter that was there. Didn't even think twice about the sun or UV rays or getting sunburnt, and paid the penalty. So, I, I, my face is not something to look at at the moment, and uh, I'm thinking I'm going to have to plan around putting on the sunscreen and hat tomorrow at this rate. Not something I'm used to, but. Um, 
we are looking at that middle of the day start as well with the eleven thirty with the Tasha Gale, and uh, yeah, a good match to kick off with there, mate. Yeah, so let's just look at that team very quickly. Uh, Eels entering this round in second place behind the Roosters Indigenous Academy, who, by the way, sixties have had twenty points scored against them all year, half of which were scored by Parramatta in round one. So fair effort from our girls there. But they're looking formidable this week. Debbie Dewey at fullback. Uh, some odd jersey enumeration in the back line, but Tamir Liardi in the four will be playing on the wing. Jacinta Tui and Patessa Leo, uh, Tui in 18, Leo in three in the centres. Alicia Bell in the five on the other wing, sorry. Uh, Talara Bambot, Rose, uh, Rosemary Beckett are the outstanding halves combination. Good to see Petalina Atoa back. I believe she had a concussion against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. She obviously missed last week against the Steelers, but is back for this final game or final regular season game. She'll partner her captain, Ruby John Kennard, in the front row for Ashley Pottinger at dummy half. You've got Talisha Maeva, Kayana Lakeni, and Summer Tarari in the back row. On the bench, it's Casey Q, Milan Nukuo, Akuala Lala, Lalani Tua, Catalina, v- Catalina Vave, sorry, Catalina, uh, as the standard bench. Then the 19th, or 19th and 22, but 18 and 19th players, respectively, Emily Waters and Amina Kanj. And yeah, and they're taking on a Raiders outfit that uh, I'm not sure if they're still in the hunt for a spot. And yeah, they're, they're not playing for a spot in the finals this week. They're down in the bottom three of the ladder, um, playing for pride only. So it can be a bit of a trap game here for Parramatta. They technically can be caught by the uh, Newcastle Knights with a win for the Knights and a loss to the Eels. The Knights will leapfrog us on for and against. Uh, so a spot in the top two is up for grabs here. And technically a spot for the top one is up for grabs too if the Roosters get somehow beaten badly, if I just see who they're playing, given that they're the best team in the competition. Uh, if the Roosters, once this website updates, there's essentially, there's about 60, 62 points of for and against between us and the Roosters to make up, plus the win. Um, and the Roosters, well, New South Wales Rugby is just now, it, the website's just tanked. Okay, Let's, there is a potential scenario where the Roosters get whooped and we smash the Raiders and the Eels finish as minor premiers. So that, as unlikely as it is, it exists, and that will kick off at 11.30pm at Kellyville. Moving on to the Harold Matthews, who entered this round in somehow, some way, having secured their future, either their finals berth, mate, uncontested. They've got a three-point buffer from the seventh-place team, so they can now focus on finishing as hard the ladder as possible, and technically, pending results, that could be second, but I'm not sure what all the matchups are for this week. So the Roosters and Panthers are a win ahead of them, uh, but the four and against is fairly similar. So they're taking on the Raiders who are actually sitting ahead of them on the table on fourth spot. So there's just a direct leapfrog that could happen there in that regard. And they'll look like this. Muhammad Alamadine at fullback. Uh, Philo Totoa Tanuma Fono on one wing. I believe that's Noah. Uh, and on the other one, you've got Dom Faruja. In the centres, Michael Gabriel. And good to see Junior Fagalele back after that nasty ankle injury against South Sydney. Halves, Captain Blaze Talangi and Lorenzo Talatina. Front row, Sam Torvati, Jacob, Bobby, John, and Matthew Arthur at dummy half. In the back row, Shabelle Shahadi, Tyrese Lakenny, and the wrecking ball, Kobe Herford at lock forward. On the bench, Zaydis Moagatutia, Sebastian Piacala, Jordan Uta, Jordan Faliano, and the 18th man is Josiah Finoluta. And they've been <clears throat> in very good nick in recent games, 60s, and they're looking like they're peaking at the right time this season. And this is a chance to obviously uh, move up the ladder as much as possible and, and get a better seating for the first week of the finals, but also just, you know, sharpen the iron against the finals contender in the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, it's, as you say, it's remarkable that the team has got themselves into a position where just a couple of weeks ago, there were concerns about, are they going to qualify for finals football? 
just the way that the uh, first couple of first few weeks had gone, a couple of losses that were there. And as we know, in this grade, where you've only got a top six and where it's a shortened season, if you fall behind with uh, just two losses, you could miss out on the finals football. Well, they've now shored up a final spot with a round remaining, which is quite remarkable. So obviously, yes, they do want to sharpen up with regard to their preparations for finals footy, but also think if they've got a chance to finish a little bit higher on the table, they would definitely be aiming to do that. So uh, I think we saw the best of them last week. And just as we, I think we saw what was close to the best of the Tasha Gale girls last Mm -hmm. week. It was, I just had that feeling that Kellyville was like a home match. Yeah, for yeah, the teams, and I think they really lifted in their in their intensity for their games. So I'm re- I'm looking forward to it. I think that the team is the the Harold Matthews team is starting to find their groove, and yes. uh, central to that really is Matthew Arthur. He's um, he was absolutely out. He's been outstanding all season, but he went to another level last week in what was a fiery clash with the Illawarra team. So um, they didn't they didn't miss him. Um, there was a bit of an incident where a little bit of push and shove uh, early in the second half, but it was an entertaining game. Um, really, as I said, the best performance I think they put in this season. And capping off the action in the Junior Epsilon side, they will be the SG Ball. They're taking on the 11th place Raiders Eels in ninth place coming to this game. Both teams hopelessly adrift of the finals, unfortunately. Unless there's a, like the eight-point try in, in the uh, game, unless there's a three-point win somehow, the Eels won't be managing to compete for the top six. Unfortunate too, because they played some great football against the uh, Steelers last week, who were, who still are a top-four team after that result. And uh, But they look like this, with the Eels having a few changes. Arthur Miller-Steven drops back from the flag to the SG ball. He'll be playing fullback. Uh, Cody Parry and Freeman Forsyth on the wings. Declan Murray and Charlie Geimer in the centres. Terence Lafay, Riley Lack, your halves. Lance Fall, Lima and Jacob Davis with Daniel Reardon as well by the front row there. Davis obviously dummy half. Uh, in the back row, Captain Saxon Pryke. Sax Pryke, sorry, Saxon. <laughs> uh, with Dom Destratus on the other edge. Mark Simon at lock forward. Uh, Dom's twin brother, Raf, on the bench with Marcus Atoa, Ibrahim Farkri and Vlado Jankovic. Josh Alzahim is the 18th man. Uh, they've sort of made a few adjustments here and there, 60s, but it's not too dissimilar to the team that took it to the Steelers last week. Mate, I was really impressed with how they performed. I thought it was miles above any other performance that they turned in this season. In fact, if they were playing at the standard that they did last week, I have little doubt that they would have qualified for finals football. Did you have a, a standout in that match last week? I... I, I I mentioned in the in what I said about the uh, the the mats that my standout last week was was uh, Matty Arthur, and I should have mentioned um, I, with the Tasha Gale girls, I I found it hard to separate uh, Rosemary Beckett and Ruby Jean Kennard mm-hmm. for their play in the in in their victory in a high quality Tasha Gale clash with the Steelers. But when I was looking at the SG Ball team. I found it hard to isolate individual players. There were there were certainly some big moments from different players, but I thought they functioned really well as a team 
last week. And, and uh, mind you, I, I also felt the same about the Harold Matthews, that they function really well as a team. I, I, I thought that they they got their... their I, I tried to say it as like they, they really hit their groove last week and that, and, and that Matty Arthur was central to that. But it was more that um, there was a better understanding of of their of their play and their support play last week but the SG ball I really found it hard to isolate a player I thought they just did really well as a team last week I think week. that's fair uh, I mean I thought that uh Charlie Geimer played with an edge like he was really aggressive looking to make a difference physically but uh, just across the park it was just a very solid 1 to 17 victory Oh look absolutely and and you mentioned Charlie Geimer and yes he he came up with a couple of crucial plays that the uh, the ball that he produced for Cody Parry to score uh, that try uh, was was an absolute gem. Uh, the chase that he put off the mistimed kick, mm-hmm. which allowed uh, allowed the Eels to get a repeat possession when they were in all sorts of trouble against an Illawarra Steelers team that was looking to get back into the game really late in the match. And I think there was only about a four point buffer. I think at that stage yeah, in the Freeman, game, Freeman Forsyth scored late at the end to yeah. sort of blow the game out to the eight point uh, differential. Yeah, and um, and I think there was that monumental charge from Cody Parry, but carry when he in his carry of the ball, and I think it hit the ground. He picked it up and he he charged it back towards the line, and that really got the Steelers on the back foot, where um, Freeman Forsyth. Uh, from memory, jumped into dummy half and got that late try. So there was a couple of those uh, individual moments. Um, I think Daniel Reardon had a had a, a real hustle for that ball off the um, off the uh, the chase from Charlie Geimer. Um, so there were lots of moments like that. But yeah, as a team, it was probably the best that they'd performed across the park. So mm-hmm. interesting to see if they can back that up again this week and finish the season on a really positive note. That's the end of the junior reps for the last week of regulation season. The Bats and the Tush Gales will be playing finals, so stay tuned for plenty of action from them. Uh, but let's move on to the Jersey Flag 60s. Eels coming off an 18-16 loss against the St. George Illawarra Dragons on the weekend, looking to turn it around against the ladder-leading Sydney Roosters. They'll be playing up on the Central Coast at Maury Breen Oval. Kickoff is 1 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. So I imagine that might be pending all weather as well, but right now it's still, I think it's still at Maury Breen. One sec. Make sure everyone's up to date. No, it's been moved. It's now at Bill Hicks Oval, uh, Wyong, and kickoff is still 1 o'clock. So... Made an adjustment due to the weather, obviously. But he always looked like this. Josh Tupoloto getting his chance to play fullback for the first time this year in the flag. On the wings, Moala Graham Taff, a new recruit, with Torah Williams coming back from injury. In the centres, first time we've seen this year, Jabril Kalachi. Good to see Jabril back into the fold. Very talented young man. And he'll partner Lachlan Blackburn, another talented centre in the back line for the Eels. Duntori Louie and Josh Chappell are the halves. Jack Colavati and David Hollis will bookend David Tui at dummy half. Nick Al Raffle, Felix Nutili Schmidt, and Ryan Jones are the back rowers. On the bench, Lickinus, Nicholas Lenars, sorry, Nick. Jaden Skinner, Larry Moagatutia, and Brock Parker. Uh, no 18th or 19th man named, but uh, Eel's got a few changes here. Biggest one, obviously, being Captain Corey Fenning out. Um, we'll have to wait and see what the situation is there, mate. We don't get reports for injuries or suspension in the Jersey flag. Could be a fact, it could be something else, so wait and see there. I think I think he was on standby maybe for 
a call up to New South Wales Cup. There so so sixty sixty is breaking a little bit of a hot mouth there. So uh, not not a surprise given that he's been one of the real uh, leaders in this team, not just as the captain but on field with his performances. Uh, and he so has been eighteenth man for, for the last New two South weeks. Correct. Yeah. So that's 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 my understanding. Is in he's in a similar position, eighteenth man, but maybe and, there's a. Uh, a you know, a, a chance that there's going to be a call up, and and you know what, when you when you look at the way the draw is this week, with the Eels having to travel interstate, you got to take extra reserves. Team, they, they they were probably going to be likely to carry extra players up there just in case, uh, which then means that the New South Wales Cup stocks are reduced even more on top of the injuries, and um, yeah, so you start to see the flag players um, possibly being elevated. And and actually, we, we'd we already seen that, hadn't we, last week with uh, Matt Komalafi mm-hmm. and um, uh, what was that? the forward that was... Uh, uh, Tavita Tavita well. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's... This is this is the lot of being a lower-grade coach, isn't it? Yeah, you've just got to roll the punches, yeah. man. Yeah, once you once you've got a, a you're, you're never going to be playing with a set roster. You've got um, y- you don't necessarily lose players to injury yourself. You might, but it's more likely that you're going to lose players who are being elevated. And I suppose there's an element of pride in that that some of the blokes yeah, that your, your systems are working exactly yeah are getting their opportunities. So we'll we'll stand by and see if that's the case. And look, the loss of Fenning is going to be big, but it is offset by the return of Jabril Kalachi, who's been one of the Eels' uh, most exciting prospects in the back line across the junior reps. Um, and obviously, Josh Tupolotto getting a chance to shine at fullback would be good to see as well. So they're taking on the ladder-leading Roosters. Going to be a big task, but this is a good team. They'll, they'll take it to them. So we'll have to wait and see what the feedback on that one is because we're not going to be able to get out to while. Well, I'm, I'm still quarantined. I don't think you're going to be making the uh, teleportation journey from Kellyville to Wyong, uh, you know, at 1 o'clock p.m. in the middle of the junior reps. That's we we can safely say. Unfortunately, we won't be able to cover that. But I'm hoping to be able to catch some vision of the game and uh, maybe add a few, uh, provide a bit of feedback next week about the performance of the flag team. And continue with the all Saturday theme for the Parramatta Eels this week, because all games indeed do take place on Saturday. It's the New South Wales Cup. They'll be out at North Sydney Oval at 5 o'clock p.m., taking on, shock and surprise, the North Sydney Bears. Uh, <clears throat> just looking at the ladder quickly in the cup, and the Eels are sitting in the top four. No surprise, they're three wins, one loss. The Bears just behind them. Uh, three wins from three games, because they had a bye in the opening round, I believe, or the second round. So this is a, a, a game between two pretty evenly matched teams. Uh, Eels look like this with Hayes Perham at fullback, Matthew Komalafi and Max Lehman on the wings. Zach Sini and Samuel Loizu in the centres. Jordan Rankin, Jack A. Williams in the halves. Kai Rodwell and Wira McGregor, the starting props, with Brendan Hand starting at dummy half. Ellie Osgerham, Dan Keir, and the young Peter Tateo are the back rowers. Luca Moretti, Keaton Walkington-Meads, Jaden Yates, and Tavita Talmapenu are the interchange players. It's pretty close to the team that eviscerated the St. George Illawarra Dragons on the weekend. 60 is just a handful of changes here. Obviously, Mitch Rain being promoted to the NRL means that Brendan Hands moves into the starting dummy half role. We're going to be keen to get some feedback on how he does. Uh, but aside from that, uh, like you, you mentioned, that Corey Fenning's in the mix to play in the back line because you have to imagine that would mean that uh, one of those back line players would be travelling up to the Gold Coast, you'd have to think. 
Well, it makes sense, doesn't it, that you're going to have a, a player or two that uh, that have to travel as additional players. You know that there's going to be an 18th man included because that's just NRL protocols now. And with when you have the lower grades playing at the same venue, you can afford to have a player who plays in the lower grades and then sits on the bench as the 18th man yeah. for first grade. But when you've got an interstate match... You have, have to luxury. pull that player out of the out of the New South Wales Cup and add them to the squad, the travelling squad. And you know, I, I, look, I'd be surprised if there if there wasn't maybe another player added to that uh, travelling group. So there were nineteen players that are taken away, but who can tell? They might, Parramatta might be able to go with just the eighteen. Um, and I like your use of the word eviscerated. I mean. The, the, yes, the Eels absolutely murdered the, the Dragons in the New South Wales Cup last week. But when you use that term eviscerated, that really gives it that that sense of the slaughter <laughs> that took place out on the field. Important note as well, Offahiki Ogden is out. We saw him leave the field against the Dragons, clutching, I believe it was his left shoulder, after a very powerful run and line break. He came down hard on it. So we've got no uh, timeline on a potential injury there, but hopefully it's nothing too serious because he's been an outstanding nick. And just looking at that North Sydney team, mate, there's some good talent in there. Uh, Joseph Sawali, Adam Kieran, Lachlan Lamb, uh, Ben Marsh, Fletcher Baker, Far Amanu Brown still running around in the reserve grade, Freddie Lusick. So they, they've got, you can see why they're free from free. Um, obviously tied to the Sydney Roosters, the North Sydney Bears. Um, it'll be a good game. Yeah, it is, as you said, there's talent there because people might think of the North Sydney Bears as maybe being one of the lesser lights, but because of that link with the Roosters, they get all those Roosters players, that a lot of whom we saw in first grade last year because of the injury toll that the Roosters suffered in 2021. So they come back to New South Wales Cup level with the wealth of experience that they had of playing in the NRL last year. And they're going to be better players for it. So you mentioned their record this year is outstanding. Uh, it'll be a challenge for the Eels, no doubt, especially with uh, Parramatta losing players to uh, the top grade via the injury toll. Mm-hmm. So uh, sorry that we – I'm actually disappointed that we can't get out to see that game. It's it's one of the, one of the issues is, well, technically we might be able to – but I, I really don't like the chances of, of heading from Kellyville after, you know, a match that, well, what the SG Bulls like to finish after four o'clock mm-hmm. or around can. the four o'clock mark. I don't see myself heading from Kellyville to North Sydney over and then to, to cover rush, that. rush so, home to get to the NRL. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, so it's one of those, it's one one of those, those, one of those scheduling days. conflicts, isn't it? When, when you have all the football schedule one day, it is usually, unless it's a double, a triple header at, at Kellyville and you're into a triple header at Combank or Parramatta Stadium, however you want to call it, uh, it just is so logistically difficult to get around and cover everything. Especially this time of year when we've got junior reps coverage. So we've got the three games of junior reps and then you've got the three games of, let's call it senior football, even though flag is an under-21s competition we had four grades that we had that we covered from kellyville park last saturday and then there was the double um of grades the new south wales cup and the nrl 
out at Combank Stadium on Sunday. It was a full weekend of matches, and we love our footy. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> it ends up it ends up being uh, quite a bit to cover when you're talking about covering it. So um, yeah, we can't get to a couple of the games this week, but we will be covering the junior reps with uh, score updates. Uh, and people, hopefully, people bear this in mind that forties under. COVID protocols, he can't uh, leave the house. Quarantine. He's, he's in He's in quarantine. So I'm going to be providing updates. I'm not a match blogger as such. I will do my best to describe moments around uh, scoring plays. And maybe if there's not too much in the way of scoring, just a bit of an update about what's been happening. But um, it is there and available on TCT. So you can keep up to date with what's going on. But also anyone that's up around the Kellyville area, get up there, have a, have a look at the outstanding football that you get to see at a local level with our Parramatta Reels. And that brings us to the main event on that huge day of Saturday football, kicking off at 7.35pm, Parramatta Reels travelling up to the Gold Coast to Seabus Super Stadium for their return bout against the Gold Coast Titans. Excuse me. And yeah, this is a... That quick turnaround we're talking about with Spiro, but Eels taking on a Titans team that looks like this with Jermaine Asako at fullback, Corey Thompson and Greg Marju on the wings, Philip Sammy and Patrick Herbert in the centres, Alexander or AJ Brimson and Toby uh, Toby Sexton sorry in the halves, uh, Big Mo Fodawaka and Isaac Lewin in the front row positions with Aaron Clark at dummy half, David Hafida, Bo Fermor and Tino Faasuma Ali at lock forward and captain, impressive back row there. Interchange bench features Will Smith, Jared Wallace, Jamin Jolliffe, and Kevin Proctor. Extended roster, Paul Turner, Sam McIntyre, Sam Osorne, Herman S.A.S.A., Sosefa Fafida, Tony Francis, and Jacob Alec. Uh, Gold Coast Titans coming off a game where it was more the West Tigers snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in one of the most dour but uh, ultimately insane games I think I've ever seen where both teams just struggled to get any traction for 80 minutes or 79 minutes and then the 80th minute uh, they just they, they lose the ball in the end goals and let the Titans score the game winning try just crazy mate the biased supporter in me would love to see the Titans put in a similar performance against <laughs> us this week because you'd suspect that it would be a, a similar scoreline to what was produced against the Dragons however the realist in me recognises that those sorts of performances are probably going to be, and thankfully, rare. I mean, it'll be it, it'll be rare that you'll get such a bludger of a game again because that was the the lowest of the low matches that you'd ever want to watch. Yep. Well, I, you, I shouldn't even use the word want to watch, but it, 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 yeah, it was a bludger of a game and. The Titans are bound to come out and really lift for this one. They've got a point to prove after round one, and they're playing in front of their home fans. They don't want to be putting in another performance like they did last week. I think they've got the players in that team that are going to make it an interesting contest. But, of course, as with any time with the Titans, it all depends on whether they turn up with a mindset in defence. If they don't turn up with a, the right mindset for defence to work hard, then Parramatta can play the sort of grinding football where they don't look for the big plays. They just look to wear the opposition down. And they've done it before with the Gold Coast. I think there was back in... Round 2, was, 2020, uh, I think it was. 
Yeah, yeah. So that uh, that 2020 season where the points came late. So it was quite a Dow game to start off with. And then the pressure built, built, built. And then there was an avalanche of points late. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar sort of game plan evolve this week. But of course, with Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown being in the type of form that they are now, who knows? Who knows? They could, they, the Eels could blow it open wide open early but um yeah we'll see well, let's, um, let's take a let's look at the eels quickly before yeah. we um we break down how we're going to win or lose this game i'm <clears throat> sorry i got a few the, <laughs> the throat congesting up there uh at fullback and one of the two captains of this team quinton gufferson uh starring last week on the wing wanga blake he'll be back there on the left edge bailey simonson on the right flank will penasini and tom opachik in the centers dylan brown mitchell moses that outstanding house combination Unchanged front row, Reagan Campbell, Gillard, Junior Paul, or Junior Paolo, sorry, and Reed Marnie. Uh, Sean Lane has been named, but Brad Arthur did caution at his captain's presser today that going to have to wait and see how he pulls through the uh, the full captain's run and the trip to the Gold Coast. But he'll be there with Isaiah Papali'i on the edges as it is currently with Nathan Brown at lock forward. On the bench, Mackenzie Makatoa, Ryan Madison, Oregon Kafusian making his club debut after a handful of outstanding games in the New South Wales Cup is Mitch Rain. And this is something we've spoken about on the tip sheet before, mate. We'll get into it shortly, but I do like that move. Extended roster, Bryce Cartwright, Weary McGregor, Hayes Perham, Samuel Lozu, Jake Arthur. Good to see Jakey back from that appendectomy. Speaking of good to see back, Murata Niakore on the extended roster, outstanding. And uh, Big Solomon Naiduki. So some serious strike power there for the Eels on that shadow bench uh, with uh, Murata there. I'm not sure if he's fully ready to play the game, but the fact that he's in the outside sort of calculations is a very, very good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And the I think the timeline had him very close to being back around this time anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him named in the lineup next week. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the big one here, uh, if Sean Lane is fit, obviously nothing changes. If he isn't, uh, we expect Ryan Madison to start in the back row. And then you have your pick of Cartwright or William McGregor most likely coming back into the team. Given that there's a couple of big boppers already, you probably think Bryce Cartwright gets the nod, right? That'd be the way that I'd go. But, um, you know, you, you it, obviously it depends on what the match plan is. So, uh, But wouldn't you love to see another pass like we saw last <laughs> week? Maybe not in the first minute of play, but, may, but always if, if, if you're enjoying the sort of game that the Eels did last week, and it's wrapped up, and the opportunity presents itself. That was a spectacular play to go with the, what yeah. Bryce Cartwright produced. But people shouldn't be expecting that sort of thing to be typical of what you get from him. It's more what is in his kit bag if you were looking for a miracle play towards the end of a game. Mm. So, um yeah, although I think if we, if it was going for the wing play and he produced a pass like that, or even if Nathan Brown produced a pass like that, I'm not sure that that would be the avenue that BA would like the players to be taking to throw those sorts of passes. If it was if it was coming down to going through the hands in a standard way, or or going through the hands in in that <laughs> way, uh, yeah, it would have been uh, it would have been good to be a fly on the wall and see BA's reaction to that pass anyway whether he enjoyed it or 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 whether he just took it in the, his stride and um 
and uh, it was something that he'd seen all before at training. Because I know I'd seen it before at training because they get opportunities to play that sort of footy when they're playing their various games that they play, uh, including uh, Fiji when they're playing their Fiji and touch or the forward pass footy. And a lot of clubs like like to do the forward pass footy as part of their their training games. You you get see some wild passes in that because you're seeing gridiron passes thrown, you're seeing flick passes, you, you you're seeing just the range of it as as players put themselves into space all over the field. But um, yeah, it would have been interesting to to uh, see BA's immediate reaction to that play. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, this is a game where we mentioned it's a rematch, a, a return bout. Eels won 32-28 in round one in a game that Brad Arthur couldn't have been too happy about in the context of our defence, but we did score some nice tries. Uh, unfortunately, Sean Russell, who had a early 33-minute hat trick, was a big part of that, and he won't be participating in this game. But the Eels have a lot that they can work on from that game, and obviously building off their last two results against Melbourne and the Dragons, they should be a different team from the team that took on the Titans in that game. Yeah. We saw the old proverbial game of two halves in that as well. It was touch football in the first half and it was a grind in the second half. If you if you were expecting more of that sec more of that first half footy in the second half, I think there was a chance that the Eels would have lost the game if they'd have continued mm-hmm. along with that brand of play because that, that was the sort of play that the Titans would have preferred them to dish out rather than that physical grind of football that they did in the second half. And I know there was some criticism about how we played the second half, but in reality, we had to arrest the the crazy gameplay that was going on there, especially the, the lapses in defence that was that were um, prevalent in that first 40 minutes. But, mate... Uh, Let's let's get to let's get to a couple of things. First of all, uh, you mentioned Mitch Rain. I'm a, I'm a supporter of that inclusion as well as uh, as I join you in the in the support of that decision as well. And it's always handy to have a, a player come up against their old club, isn't it? That just seems to provide that um, little bit of extra impetus in their performance. Mm-hmm. And and apart from that. Mate, it's uh, it's really time now to get into our tips. I'm going to suggest that it's still going to be a high-scoring game. I sort of flagged this earlier when I said I envisaged something similar to the 2020 clash where the points come late. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to suggest that it'll be a score in the vicinity of uh, 34 to 10 to the Eels, and I will nominate um, Reed Marnie, first try scorer. There you go, they've gone for the hooker for the first try scorer. And man of the match, player of the match, I think this week it, it might just be one junior Paulo. I like it, I like it. Now, um, you're going to get it two weeks in a row because you nominated Dylan Brown as yeah, first Yeah, that, that was a rare win for me, mate. So backing that up. I don't know. I'm, I I came across an old current affair quip of a. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Aussie that uh, won a scratchy. And I think he must have won a, a car or something and went into a coma. And he woke up out of the coma after like two weeks. And then they, the news place, got them to recreate the segment, go down to the local uh, 
news agents and buy another scratchy for the segment. And while he was scratching it, he's, he's gone. I've just won two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that'd be like me getting two of those <laughs> two of those in a row. To, to do I that. do, I do remember that vaguely. Yeah, it popped up on and the internet like- this week. I, I couldn't believe. It. I remember seeing that years ago. And the guy was obviously just—it was incredible TV. Like the guy was stunned, but he's there reenacting a segment for the the you know the can bit of the the, the show, and he wins two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, very very cool. But for me, I was thinking kind of similar to you in the in the score range. I think I, the Titans just are so potent offensively, even though they looked so inept last week against the Tigers. That I think there's an element of playing to their opposition of them. Uh, I think I'll have them down for about us for about a twenty-eight or thirty to point to fourteen victory, um, which you know, just accounting for a few Titans tries there. First try scorer. I was leaning. I was leaning Sean Lane, but the fact that he's still under consideration from the head coach just has me a little bit nervous. So <clears throat> I'm gonna have to make an adjustment, and I'll go to. Oh, this is high. This is high pressure now. You know what? Bailey Simonson is due for his first try. We're going to get him get him his first points opening try this week. Mate, if you jag the first try scorer two weeks in a row, I'd suggest it should be you going out and buying a scratchy or buying a lottery <laughs> as soon as you as soon as you're allowed out of quarantine. And you um you had the big man Junior Pollot for the MVP. It's a great pick. Um, I feel like this is a Quinton Garfison game. He, he's he's had you know. Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon. He's had some good games here and there. He's also just had a couple of miscues. Um, I think he's ready to put the full package together and uh, and star on Saturday night. So you're predicting the um, Gutherino or the Guther Robot? Yeah, the Guther Robot, baby. Yeah, drop it. Guther yeah. Robot. <laughs> Mate, sounds good. Well... What a jam-packed episode of the tip sheet to get through. Uh, you've done well, mate. You've, I'm, you've... Su- I'm surprised the voice has held up as well as it did, mate. <laughs> there was some, <laughs> some coffee fits that I had to mute. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, and look, I'm, I'm counting myself blessed. COVID really wasn't that bad for me. Um, there was some fatigue and obviously a sore throat. But, you know, given what it's done to other people, I certainly do not envy that. But, yeah, thankfully haven't passed it on to you as well. So, you know, silver linings. Yeah, silver linings, mate. Well, look, you've done well to get through this and uh, it's probably a good time to sign off while you've still got a little bit of a voice left. So, um, mate, my deep appreciation for you being able to still continue with the Tip Sheet podcast this week, the preview one. We're a day later than we normally like to be, but maybe that's a good thing when it comes to the preview. We've, uh, we've already got goals preview came out last night. If you haven't got onto that, Get onto it, please, and um, go the Eels. Yeah, the show must go on and go the Eels. Catch you guys next week. See ya.